This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. I'm Sam Sachs. Sam Knight is auditing marijuana crop diversity at the Svalbard Global Seed Vault on the Norwegian island of Spitsbergen. But he'll be back next week. Filling in for SK1 today, we've got Chip Gibbons in a brand new edition of Chip Chat. Chip is a journalist who has bylines in the Washington Post, in these times, in Jacobin. He's also the policy and legislative counsel at Defending Rights and Dissent, though views expressed during Chip Chat are Chip's alone. Chip wanted to talk about how the Trump administration has ramped up the war against whistleblowers, including Daniel Hale, who unveiled rampant human rights abuses in the U.S. drone program and now faces up to 50 years in prison for it. So here's that interview with Chip. I'll be back on the other end of it to read some poetry for our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. I want to go back and qualify something that you said. Daniel Hale is alleged to have to have done right. this. Um, the government has not proven anything. Um, they've put out an, an indictment. An indictment is, is an allegation. It is an indictment from a grand jury in the Eastern District of, of Virginia, uh, which I believe is Sam Knight's favorite uh, district in the federal legal system. I believe, if I recall correctly from our past conversations on the Eastern District, it is his personal favorite district. Yep, it's his favorite. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he loves it. Um, so a, a grand jury has ha- put out an, an indictment, and the indictment alleges that Daniel Hale gave um, a number of top-secret documents to a reporter. The reporter is not named. The documents are very vaguely described, but it's it's pretty clear from the dates in in the um, in the indictment that they refer to the quote-unquote drone papers, and that those uh, drone papers are published by Jeremy Scahill and the Intercept. And um, the Intercept in 2015 did publish a number of classified documents that exposed Obama's drone wars. Uh, Drone strikes are frequently euphemistically referred to as targeted killings, but what they really are are assassinations or extrajudicial killings. Um, And this was the first real inside look at, at the targeted killing program and you know it showed a number of disturbing things, including what you mentioned. Uh, the Guardian was able to extrapolate from the raw data that during a particular six-month period, 90% of those people killed uh, by U.S. drones were not the intended target. So let's, for a second, assume that whoever leaked this information, I mean, that's not someone who should be charged under. The Espionage Act, that is a public service that they're doing. We should have a public debate on our drone program. We should have a congressional investigation. If we're killing scores of people overseas in an assassination program where 90% of them aren't the intended target, that's, that's a huge problem. And I want to point out something else, which is that Donald Trump has dramatically escalated the the drone the drone program um, during all eight years of Obama's tenure, according to the Associated Press uh, and the Bureau of Investigation, there were 154 
drone strikes in Yemen. In the first two years of the Trump administration, there were 176 drone strikes in Yemen. We also know that Trump has escalated the air wars um, that are killing scores of civilians. He dropped the mother of all bombs on Afghanistan. And if, if you listen to the media, you know, you not only don't know about what's happening to Daniel Hale, you would have no idea that Trump is pursuing this sort of aggressive foreign policy, basically expanding on Obama's wars, you know, because the fixation is always, you know, I, I saw a glimpse of CNN earlier today, and the headline was, Trump criticizes Obama on foreign soil. Um, you know, for a lot of people in the media, the worst thing they can imagine is that someone is insufficiently enthusiastic about the U.S. empire. So because they're critical of, of Trump, they try to sort of impute that trait onto him. And the reality is that Trump is an aggressive militarist and interventionist. He's trying to overthrow the government of Venezuela. He's saber-rattling against Iran. But if, if you listen to, to any of the mainstream media, it's always, you know, somehow this myth that he's not militaristic enough. So I, I think that's, that's, that's sort of part of the problem is that, you know, there's, there's not any sort of real critique of U.S. militarism or U.S. empire in the media, and there's no willingness to acknowledge Trump's role in that because, you know, U.S. imperialism, good, Trump, bad, therefore Trump can't be an imperialist. Yeah, uh, I definitely noticed that, and it, it creates a weird dynamic where even though he has expanded the drone program and the air wars and the strikes... Um, that lethal aid to Ukraine. Yeah, yes. Uh, he's done all these things. He's still, this image of him as a dove persists to where when he more vocally does these things, like when he did the attacks in Syria, everybody's like, well, now he's acting presidential. Yes. Um, Fareed Zakari, I believe, said this was his first presidential act, which was not as good as... Um, who is the guy who got thrown off of the NBC Nightly News? For, Brian Williams. For lying? Brian Williams, who quoted a Leonard Cohen song, um, which is literally Leonard Cohen's description about a terrorist. He quoted a, a Leonard Cohen song during the bombing of Syria by Trump, saying that we are guided by the beauty of our weapons, which is... A bizarre thing to describe bombs blowing up as, as being beautiful, but um, this is why I'm not on on television because mm -hmm. I I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't get this excited over us bombing other countries. So this is this is the environment that this Daniel Hale story is taking place in. He blew allegedly blew the whistle during the Obama administration, right? That's when the the, the intercept blew, report he, he came allegedly, out. So so it's actually a very interesting. Um, chain of events, because Daniel Hale is a drone whistleblower. He was very outspoken in his opposition to the targeted killing program. He appears in a movie called National Bird, which uh, is on Netflix right now, and it's about drone whistleblowers and sort of the impact of, of the program on them. And he's featured quite extensively in that movie. It came out in 2016. During filming of the movie, his house is raided by the FBI as part of an Espionage Act investigation, and that happens in the movie in real time. They talked to him about that. The drone papers are not uh, published until 2015, and he is not formally charged until 2019. So there's a five-year lag between the FBI raiding his house and 
this indictment, which also raises questions because it w- that would suggest maybe, I, I don't know, that someone in the Obama administration look at this and decide not to go for it. We know the Obama administration was um, at that time probably one of the most aggressive in pursuing whistleblowers. There was a Obama war on whistleblowers. Um, but they balked at the idea of prosecuting Assange and WikiLeaks and that Trump, who, you know, people in the media are always somehow trying to tie him to WikiLeaks. Um, and, and Assange was, was clearly, you know, obviously supportive of, of Trump in a way that people rightfully are, are disturbed by. Even Daniel Ellsberg criticized that. But, you know, the Trump Trump is, you know, very much this uh, was willing, his administration at least, you know, went forward with charging Assange in a way that the Obama administration wouldn't. This is the fourth person charged under the Espionage Act under the Trump administration. Um, reality winner, of course, the NSA contract whistleblower who put out a document about uh, election interference, Terry Albury, uh, the only black FBI agent at the Minneapolis field office of the FBI who was disturbed by the racism that he witnessed, especially against the local Muslim community, and leaked documents about this to The Intercept, documents that are of great public interest, and he was he pled guilty. And then the gentleman or the individual who is alleged to have given um, the Vault 7 information to WikiLeaks is also been indicted under the Espionage Act. So, and, and sentences are, are getting longer, I believe, with the exception of Chelsea Manning's sentence, which was given by a military court, uh, that reality winner's sentence was the longest sentence ever given by a um, civilian court hmm. for, for giving information to the media. So, I mean, if, if we continue on at this pace, it's quite possible that Trump will not only surpass Obama's record of, of drone strikes, he will surpass Obama's record of locking up whistleblowers and journalists under the Espionage Act, which yeah. is, you know, a, a grim milestone. But but once again, I mean, if you listen to the media conversation about Trump and, and WikiLeaks, it's all, you know, Russia, 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 Russia. Yeah. Trump is insufficiently pro-U.S. empire. And it's just such a distorted picture um, and it, it shows such a, a misguided politics where you think the most effective way to to attack Trump is to, you know, attack him basically as being, you know, soft on on our enemies. Yeah, I, I agree about the, the timing of the Hale prosecution, because the drone story and even though drone warfare has increased under Trump and the deaths have increased. This was a story that was very much attached to the Obama administration. You don't hear much talk about how the Trump administration is using drones. I think that's because, as you noted, most liberals and the press are focused on other foreign policy issues with this administration, Russia or North Korea or whatever. But it's as though deciding to go after Daniel Hale, it brings the drone issue back to the forefront, which perhaps this administration wouldn't have wanted. But I guess it comes down simply to just how aggressive Trump is in going after these whistleblowers. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's partially true. I also don't necessarily think Trump is micromanaging the national security docket in the Eastern District of, of Virginia. I don't think he's sitting there saying, oh, you know, that intercept guy from, from five years ago, can we get him? Well, what I who, think who he, is it? Like, it, well, I mean, well, if, uh, if the uh, Obama so, administration, decide, and you, we are just speculating here, we don't know why there was that huge gap between uh, the stuff being published and Hale actually being arrested, but assuming the Obama administration was going to let this slide, they're just I mean, career we, we officials know, in the Justice know, Department who weren't ready to let it slide, I guess. We, we know the CIA and other intelligence agencies for lobbying Obama to indict Assange, and that was where he drew the line. So there are very bellicose people within the national security establishment. And once again, in, in spite of this sort of narrative that Trump is, you know, at war with 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 the security state he has very much you know let them do what they want he's expanded cia powers o- over drone strikes he's allowed for you know in his first um couple weeks in office he had that cross-border raid in, in yemen so he very much is is a gloves off kind of guy when it comes to sort of you know, aggressive militarism and, and cracked on press freedom. So I think it's more that he's given the green light or sent the signal that this type of behavior will be tolerated, whereas Obama, for all of his many faults, and, and, and we should be clear, there are, you know, a lot of them, yeah. um, the, the drone program that he normalized and escalated is it's a war crime. It's it's unforgivable. His war on whistleblowers is is a major blow to press freedom, not just in the United States, but 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 globally. Um, Turkey, when they indicted a journalist for espionage, the journalist later fled to you know Western Europe. Um, you know they said, well, the U.S. does this. How is this different? Different. So I mean, I think that you know Obama deserves a lot of fault there, but he had a line. Whereas Trump has very much, you know, made it clear he wants to bomb the shit out of ISIS. He likes torture. He doesn't like, you know, the quote unquote fake news. So there's there's that. Yeah, I think I think you're probably dead on on that. It's more so it's, Trump is it's, too busy discussing whether or not we can drop nuclear weapons on hurricanes. Yeah. Yeah. To, you know, personally. Uh, it's, this, it's the same reason why the, the Moab was dropped, because he's just giving free reign to a lot of people, whether it's in the military or the Department of Justice, to go after the, the pet projects they've wanted to for a while, that Obama was a little bit uncomfortable allowing them to do that. Yeah, yes. So where are we right now in the legal proceedings against so Mr. Hale? I be- Hale has, has pled not guilty, um, so... That's that's where we're at. Presumably there will there'll be a trial unless that changes. You know, it's incredibly difficult to mount an Espionage Act defense, which is why a lot of people charged under the Espionage Act end up pleading guilty either to the Espionage Act charge or to, to other charges in hopes of, of getting rid of it. Um, you know, Reality Winner and Terry Albury both both pled guilty. John Karyanku, the CIA whistleblower, pled guilty to lesser charges. Um, and that's 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 a, a just to, just to bring that case up 
again, in case people have forgotten about it, John Karyanki is the only person to go to jail in relationship to the uh, CIA torture program. What he did was he confirmed its existence to 60 Minutes. During the Bush administration, um, there was a push to prosecute John Karyanki, and they decided not to. And then when uh, Obama got into office, the intelligence community convinced Holder to reopen the case, and, and they brought Espionage Act charges against John Karyanki. And now the CIA, um, you know, we have Eugene Haspel at the head, who was almost certainly involved in the torture program and who was rewarded for her uh, role in war crimes with, with promotion. And, you know, they're now pushing for amending the Intelligence Identities Protection Act yeah. in a very broad way. And the cited reason is because of the debate over the CIA torture program. And this is a change that would prohibit journalists from revealing the identities of covert agents at any time. There used to be yeah. an exception to where you could reveal them unless they were serving overseas within the last five years or something. Something now, like that, yeah. Now you just can't do it any time. In theory, that could potentially would have applied to reporting on Gina Haspel, you know, role in the torture program yeah. when she was nominated for for the CIA chief, even though the CIA, in an unprecedented move, put out a bunch of tweets about her and her life, about how much she loved. Was it Johnny Cash? Was that who she loved? Who was the singer that, that she loved? The CIA felt the I need for remember. all of us to know. <laughs> and that she was in an African country dominated by a Marxist-Leninist government with a coup yeah. that she, you know, survived the coup. And it's like... Yeah, that's one way to describe her role in a African country as a CIA covert operations person that has a quote unquote Marxist Leninist government and just so happened to have a coup. I'm I'm sure yeah. she, it was just an unrelated event, you know, like a <laughs> volcanic eruption on, on on your honeymoon, you know? Yeah. So so where are we at here? Uh, everything of... is terrible. Everything is terrible. But the good news is that in spite of the fact that climate change is making extreme weather more common, <laughs> we're going to soon be free from hurricanes because Donald Trump is going to nuke them. Well, yeah, I'm that, very that, that, which I'm sure would have that no gives us, that gives us some hope here, Chip. What? Yes, this is the first optimistic thing I think I've said on, on, on a chip chat. <laughs> so Hale, Hale is facing potentially up to 50 years in prison yeah. for this. What What is being done? I know that uh, Defending Rights and Dissent, sure. which you, while you're on our show, do not speak on behalf of, but the very good no, group... Defending Rights and Dissent has no position on the use of nuclear weapons against <laughs> hurricanes. It is it is it's a, it's a domestic civil liberties. But they do uh, have a position on Daniel Hale, and yes. you all organized... Um, uh, uh, a letter, a, a statement. A in which... statement. So, yeah, so we organized a statement calling on the charges to be dropped against Daniel Hale. It was signed by 173 individuals and 50 organizations. Um, other drone whistleblowers that were featured in the movie National Bird, like Lisa Ling and, and Brandon Bryant, signed on. Uh, journalist Matt Taibbi signed on. The editors-in-chief of Truthout, Counterpunch, and Progressive all signed on. Uh, the managing editor of Shadowproof, Kevin Gastalza, who has been one of the best journalists at covering Espionage Act prosecutions, having reported on Chelsea Manning's trial and being one of the only people to do serious reporting on, on, the, on the Daniel Hale thing, also signed on. Matt Taibbi signed on. Daniel Ellsberg, Thomas Drake. did we sign on? John, the Sentinel sign on? 
The Sentinel signed on. I will get to you eventually. Um, yeah, yes, of course. And Sam Knight, but not Sam Sachs. Wait, he did. Uh, wait, he signed his name personally. He signed on both as the District Sentinel and in his individual capacity. That's, you know this because even though the deadline was over, I reached out to you. Sam, I know, but I was like, under the impression want- that Sam Knight didn't sign it individually. He just put the Sentinel on behalf of us both. But okay. I well. Ah, uh, Chase Madar, David Lindorf. I thought he signed on as an individual. Anyway. Sam Knight, journalist. There it is, okay. Is, is there on is. there, uh, as is the Sentinel. Um, but a number of, of former people have been prosecuted under the Espionage Act, including Daniel Hale, Jeffrey Sterling, uh, not Daniel Hale, Daniel Ellsberg, Jeffrey Sterling, John Kariaku, Thomas Drake signed on, uh, Lawrence Wilkerson, who was Colin Powell's chief of staff, uh, signed on. So a really broad range of, of, of people, and including people who have backgrounds in either the military or in intelligence. And I think that is something to sort of stress to the, you know, the decision makers in this country that, you know, we, we make these claims that these sorts of prosecutions are necessary for national security, but here are people who are career military, career intelligence, who are telling us, no, this is wrong, don't do this. You're just persecuting whistleblowers. You're just silencing debate. And, you know, we should be having a debate in this country on the drone program. And, you know, how are we to do that? How are we to debate our foreign policy if we don't even know anything about it? And, you know, the, the the whole strategy here is to prevent those types of debates by keeping the information from the public. We saw this with, with WikiLeaks and with Chelsea Manning, um, Chelsea Manning, who is still in jail and facing a $1,000 a day fine for refusing to testify before a grand jury that I, I don't even know what the grand jury could be about at this point since the U.S. government can't add more charges against Assange. But But we see this where we have all the secret information and when it becomes public, which would actually allow us to debate our foreign policy and say, hey, do we want to have a system of assassinations where 90% of the targets are not the intended people? Um, you know, we then, we then persecute the people who allegedly made that information public, which is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Is there something to be learned from this episode and again daniel hale has been alleged uh to be involved in this but he was very open and public about his opposition to public about his opposition he even appeared at events with uh jeremy scahill who was who was the journalist and again this is not blaming daniel hale at all here um but is there is, is there anything to glean from the way to go about doing this sort of whistleblowing. They're just allegations against Daniel Hale, so I, I, I don't I don't know if if there's anything to be gleaned at this point since I, I can't speak to the veracity of the claims of the government. You know, yeah. it's something from a grand jury. You know, Daniel Hale was outspoken with maybe more so group. for journalists rather than the whistleblower themselves here. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of debates about how journalists should handle the sources that give you classified information. And I, I know that particular outlets have, have come under attack. 
I I don't I don't have have answers to that question. That's not my area of expertise. So I can't say if people did or didn't do their due diligence. You know, Hale was very outspoken as opposed to U.S. foreign policy. Is it possible the U.S. government is retaliating against him for that? I, I think it's fairly probably likely. Um, that that played a role in these charges. He was a supporter of Chelsea Manning. He was um, involved with Veterans for Peace and the group that used to be known as Iraq Veterans Against the War, now About Face Veterans Veterans Against War. Is that their current name? But he he was involved with these anti-war veteran groups. He was outspoken against drones. He was outspoken in support of Chelsea Manning. Um, you, you know, he's in the movie National Bird. I I, I don't want to say that the lesson here is don't speak out you know I, I i don't think that's ever a good lesson yeah you know be more quiet be more acquiescent which is i, I feel like where this line of thinking is likely to go i mean i think what we need to do is we need to put more pressure on on our members of congress to ask them you know journalism is an espionage giving information is an espionage why is there an act from 102 years ago that predates the classification system, so it doesn't even mention classification, that is so poorly and broadly written that it can be used to prosecute people who against journalists, who prosecute whistleblowers? And it, it's worth pointing out that that part of the Espionage Act that's, that's sometimes used in these cases aren't even from the original act. They're from McCarthy era amendments you know what why would we allow the mccarthy era amendments to to still stand i mean at the very least i think we should be moving to repeal those and those were a direct response to the fact that there was a a magazine or, or a newspaper called amera asia which was i believe clearly linked to the communist party and they were printing classified state department documents and at the height of the second red scare at the height of mccarthyism cold war cold war paranoia you know they or political repression it's not paranoia it's political repression the us government tried to bring an espionage act indictment against them and the grand jury wouldn't return a verdict or an indictment under it because they said you know it wasn't espionage so, you know, and then, you know, Joseph McCarthy and people like that had a big meltdown over this, and they amended the law. Should those amendments still be on the books? I think not. Yeah, definitely not. So do, do is there a court date set? With, with Reality Winner, there was a plea deal that was agreed yeah. to, I think, that sent her to prison she for five years. Kept in very, she was being kept in very terrible um conditions in the county jail, mm -hmm. which is not meant for, for long-term, you know, it's not meant for long-term. The trial date is set for December the 16th. Oh. Um, so that's when the trial will take place. Mm. Um, but, you know, she was kept in very terrible conditions in a local jail, and Chelsea Manning is also in a county jail as well. So, you know, these sorts of county jails aren't for long-term holding of people. Reality uh, winner the government. Between reality winner, Daniel Hale, uh, Julian Assange, it's Chelsea Manning. It's, it's, it's beginning to be tough to keep track of all these legit political prisoners right now in the United States. Hale isn't currently in custody, though. 
Well, he's going to be. Just I mean, to be uh, yes. Well, 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 we'll, we'll see. Yes, yes, we'll yes, see. I mean, he's in a form of custody. He's in it. Yes. I just, I just want to be clear that that winner right. was kept because she was denied bond or denied bail, which is very rare. And the government was very vindictive and and just absurd in, in moving for her to be denied bail, taking parts of her personal diary where she talked about her hatred of Donald Trump. Um, and admitting those into arguments about why, so basically political sentiment about why she shouldn't get bail. So that was particularly uh, heinous and unusual. Chelsea Manning's being held in, in civil contempt, and she was held in a military prison before her trial. But it's, it's usually fairly standard for, for people to be released on, on bail when they're indicted under the Espionage Act for, for whistleblowing. This is particularly, the reality winner case was particularly odious in that sense anything else we need to mention here before concluding this edition of chip chat yeah i people should um you know tell their members of congress that they're sick of whistleblowers being charged under the espionage act and that they should actually do something about it chip gibbons you can follow chip on twitter we're at at chip gibbons 89 you can also Follow defending rights and dissent at rights dissent. And you even can, though I'm speaking in my individual capacity, you should still follow them on the Twitter. That's right. That's right. And you can uh, find Chip every other week or so here on District Sentinel Radio for Chip Chat. Chip Chat. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Chip. We've now arrived at the poetry portion of the show. All new $5 subscribers on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Get access to all the content we put out every day, Monday through Friday. Plus, they get their own haiku written for them and read on the air. Subscribe for whatever you can spare a month, as little as a dollar, and we'll still get you that haiku. This first one goes out to Ernie. Calling Brett Stevens a bedbug is an insult to all the bed bugs. Thank you, Ernie. This one is for Janelle. Call me a bed bug to my face, I respond back while diaper filling. Thank you, Janelle. This one is for Brooks. Finding common ground, bed bugs and the New York Times both claim Brett Stevens. Thank you, Brooks. Finally today, this is for Craig. Brett Stevens hands back Pulitzer because bedbugs can't win the award. Thank you, Craig. And thank you to all the new subscribers over at Patreon. If you recently subscribed and you have not heard your haiku yet, tune in to tomorrow's show it is coming up but that will do it for today's show thank you for listening and thank you for subscribing we are here in dc so you don't have to be